Know Thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel Powinski and Eduardo Manteca, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. All right. Welcome to the Know Thyself Podcast. I'm here with Daniel. Hello. And I'm Eduardo. And I've been trying to contain myself um, with this topic that, you know, will be unfolding today. Um, but I feel that way about all of the episodes because I'll say that quite often. But, you know, I don't see you for a week and then I try not to call you or or if I do interact with you, I'm like, I'll wait for the podcast so then the listeners can uh, enjoy some of this like curiosity that I start recruiting over the time that I'm just looking into things. And I know that in the summer we talked about how we would be bringing up, or sorry, before the summer took off, we were talking about Genesis. And I've listened to several podcasts that have lectures on Genesis that have been very interesting um, that uh, we'll get into once we got onto that topic. So it gives me time to space that out. And so a topic like today um, really kind of helps with that sort of putting those pieces together of what these lectures entail. And so when you told me that today we'd be doing uh, an introduction to time and how time's going to keep coming up within um, the Bible and understanding these cycles that other religions um, and other uh, philosophies that have come about have sort of defined time has been already just so interesting, you know, from Pythagoras to like the Egyptians how they have these cycles um, put in place of to where we are in time, what time really is, and and the idea of space and time is just like endless. And um, yeah, man, I, I have so many questions. So we'll um, we'll take off from here. Um, I'll let you just sort of give an introduction of what our fundamentals are, what the foundation of this idea that we have of time and. Again, there's so many people who have so many definitions that I've already actually let go of. I was like, oh, I'm going to use this one lecture from Alan Watts. And I'm like, no, like this is not even like scratching the surface of like what we might get into for the next um, 52 episodes of the second season. So let's do it. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And I think you do a great job of kind of bringing up because this does really going to kind of co- exist with the the bible series so as we're doing the bible like with the right hand we're going to be looking at time kind of with the left hand right and we're going to kind of look at both of these in this in these bi-weekly kind of setup like we've done last time with alchemy uh, and kind of the science of the soul and so what we're kind of focusing on today as we do make that amazing approach to even starting to break down genesis and creation we're looking at time today and because this is such a dense topic, like you were kind of saying that, you know, even that first information you were coming across, you're like, oh, this is perfect. As you kind of start doing more research, you're like, oh, wow, this is this is endless, just like time almost itself. So really what we're kind of trying to do today is almost change our relationship with time. Mm-hmm. And that's really all we're going to look at really developing today is changing our own personal relationship and understanding of kind of what time is. Right. Um, and that's kind of what we're going to be really, really kind of looking to breaking down. So time was definitely the fascination 
of the esoteric past, right? So time plays this huge, huge role in um, their whole life, their li- whole life, their societies, their cultures, their monuments were all built around time. And one of the first things that we really kind of want to get off and clear is none of these these megalithic structures like Stonehenge, like the Great Pyramids of Egypt and the ones we find in South America, it wasn't so much telling us what time it is, but where we are in time, where right. we are in this kind of process of evolution, um, and really kind of looking at time as really this breath of creation, um, and kind of seeing how time actually has this formative process and the formation of matter and the evolution of matter rather than this neutral process that we kind of in the West and in the East, any kind of esoteric tradition, um, exoteric tradition, I should say the outside teaching kind of sees time as this neutral entity of just this passing of the past with the present and the future. And it's, they kind of just see it as this non-alive tube that just it kind of moves through like the past is all of a sudden it's the past and then that's the present and then the future mm-hmm. but it's kind of this lifeless kind of cycle that we kind of see until we really start breaking down the esoteric understanding of it and we actually see that's encoded in time is this grand design of consciousness and this grand design of not only the evolution of consciousness and the birth of consciousness but also what we're going to kind of talk about as we f- go further in this conversation but the the necessary destruction of consciousness so it could actually be reborn into a more pure, perfect form. Right. So we're going to see that birth, life, death, decay, repeat cycle that we see all throughout nature. So what we're really going to see is just to see that time is the expression of nature and, and nature expresses itself through time. And there's, again, there's going to be a relationship between nature and time. So we're going to start to see what actually you know, manifest on the natural realm that we can study is going to have the same kind of manifestation and principles as we're going to see in time. Mm -hmm. And you can study each other of them to learn about the other, just like every other occult subject, right? Because everything's connected. Anytime you're learning about one subject, you're actually learning about all the subjects. And we're just going to, we're finally going to include time in that conversation rather than look at it as this like outside neutral force. Um, But we're going to take a look more of it as like part of this very, specific trivium or um, trinity of life. Right. Right? Yeah, I really like that, um, you know, as you go through um, reading different uh, perspectives on the idea of cycles that we have already been in or are currently in, you know, it, it sort of gives you a reason to believe why most individuals, if not all individuals, find themselves where they are currently in their state of of understanding consciousness or understanding um, the 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 true size of say like the universe. Everyone I think wants to kind of put a number on it and sort of like figure out you know how infinite is it and if it is infinite then what does that mean for us and where we are and this these cycles that have been written down for you know thousands of years. Um, just really kind of aid into sort of giving us a perspective of where we might be currently and why we feel the way we feel about beliefs or, um, you know, what we pay attention to at the, at the moment, um, so intently and how we can either 
find a different way out of it or make peace with this is just a cycle that we're in right now and this is how it's it's unfolding right before our eyes and i think that's something that a lot of people sort of have a tough time with because they just they want to fix they want we all i think inherently want to fix whatever a problem might be but sometimes mm-hmm. whatever this may be a cycle or uh, a state of of consciousness that we're currently in based on like precision in the equinox you know like mm-hmm. all the things are that, you talking about like the yugas and stuff like yeah that, yeah like the, okay, with, okay even even before that but just like just understanding just like where we are and why this one thing may not feel the same way it did even just a decade ago mm-hmm. is an interesting thing that people go oh, like that we've categorized it or we always do it into a way where we make it a lame thing where it's like oh this is a phase in life right now so it's like you're going through these four phases in life um and therefore this doesn't resonate as much as it did with you at that time and what's going on with you now is going to be something completely different like we we do that ourselves as people you know so if the universe if we're a part of the creation it's interesting that the creation itself and we are part of the creation has phases like we do within our maturing um throughout this life that we find ourselves in our physical body you know mm-hmm. so I, I just that's that's what i thought was amazing about a lot of the stuff that you keep sort of like looking into but um yeah let's go into that yeah no and then perfect and you're right because we are gonna look at ages um and we're gonna kind of look at the procession of the equinoxes the great platonic year that we've already spoken about um and we're gonna really look at this um, this yuga system that we're going to be really breaking down and kind of the 10 parts of it. Um, and just like these deep ancient philosophers, we're not so much looking at what time it is, but where we are in time. And that's going to give us, like you said, a little bit of comfort to what is actually manifesting in our physical realm. Right. And we really kind of see it from, um, you know, kind of this, this moving away from virtue and morality and why is this happening and again this might not be something that we're all you know inter- like internally really excited about but we can at least see why this process has to happen um and you know really kind of separating yourself when you're dealing with time is because it's it's such an infinite scale um it's very easy to feel lost in it right and feel like you don't have a say in what's kind of going on but Every part of this time cycle is very important. And so when we kind of talk about the cycles and the cycle that we find ourselves in, um, it's not supposed to be a depressing thing. It's supposed to be more of a, almost like a reinsuring thing to be like, okay, I'm not going crazy. Like, right. because I feel so like the world's falling apart. Well, you know, maybe with the cycle, maybe the world as we know it is falling apart. And that's kind of what we're going to be dealing with. And we're really going to be kind of looking at not only the virgin mother of time, which gives us this new birth in the present moment, but also the dark mother of time who actually has to take away everything that she's created. Right. And that's going to be kind of the process that we're going to be, we're going to be kind of looking at. And, um, you know, it's very interesting because again, we're going to really start to look at time from this cyclical cycle. Okay. A, A true time is, you know, I always say the evolution of consciousness, but I really should rephrase that to the revolution of consciousness because it's more of a cycle and it's more of a completion of that cycle. And it's not a linear thing like we perceive time. Right. No, that's awesome. I like the way you said You know that. what I mean? So yeah. it's more of this like revolution because even a yuga, the yuga, these time failures we're going to talk about is, turns into the word turning or spinning. 
So this is the spinning of the wheel of life, right? This is why in the tarot cards you have the wheel of fortune, because it's that constant ebb and flow, this like constant procedure of the universe. And what we're really going to kind of get into too is just how, you know, even how we we mark time in our physical postmodern world, like we only look for cycles, right? Because we look for like night and day and we look for, you know, hot and cold and all these like kind of climate things. And we're kind of already in this process of seeing cycles, but we almost need to take it a little bit further and see, you know, the evolution within these cycles from cycle to cycle and the creation that's actually really happening where we kind of just see stuff in patterns as it is. So what this is going to kind of make us do too is kind of like stop and stretch out over time. What are these patterns adding up to? Um, And that's kind of what you're doing in these yuga systems, but the yuga really breaks down to like, turning or spinning. And that's what we're going to be kind of looking at. We're really going to be looking at this idea of a cyclical timeline rather than this linear timeline. Um, And why this is so important, why we're going to start with Genesis, because if this is a cyclical timeline, to study the beginning is to study your destiny. And that's really important. So why it's so important that we're going to start with Genesis and we're really going to look at the beginning of creation with the beginning of the creation of our own internal souls is to study the beginning in a cyclical timeline is to get a glimpse of your destiny. Okay, so now everything's free will. So what's going to develop from that potential prima materia kind of potentially out potentiality that is kind of given birth Depends on the environment and the free will decisions, right? But you can take a glimpse of that when you see the creation of something from its destiny because we're not dealing with a linear timeline. Everything is the alpha, the omega. So to learn the beginning, you're learning about the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we learn about the birth of you know civilization and the birth of this like communal living that we're going to look at way back in the golden age, it's going to give us actually indication of how we're supposed to kind of manifest this destiny that's going to be unavoidable, which is this kind of destruction of the world as we know it. And that's what I think is so ironic about the comfort that comes with it, is that you would think a word like destruction would not have something to follow suit with like comfort, but or to follow up with, with comfort. But it does for me because, again, I think that when we look at it from a microscopic standpoint rather than a macroscopic, you kind of start to feel like, oh, my God. How can I stop this from happening? We're, we're, we're doing things all the wrong way. And it's, if you look at it from, a, if you zoom out, you can see like, oh, this is a pattern that we will, that we will um, be, be in for a while until the next cycle that comes around or until we go back to another beginning that we once were within these cycles that we'll talk about. And as I, as I keep saying the word cycle, should we just, can you give us a little explanation about the yugas within? Is it within Hinduism that that they would have really created? And I know there's other. Yeah. So yeah. So it actually it's where the yugas come from. It's Dravidian. So it's actually pre-Vedas. So this is actually um, in the Indus Valley. This is kind of like the deepest civilization that we kind of know of that we kind of have track of, right? The Indus Valley is really where kind of the mother civilization of so many things. So um, so yeah, it's this cycle. And again, the numbers of the yugas, and that's why 
We didn't really want to jump too much into it today, but we'll kind of give like a good little estimation of it. It's around like 5,040 years. Yuga count is a little different for certain kind of material, um, but the material that we're really kind of focusing on is actually really um, exact on this 5,040. And and we'll kind of talk about the relationship between like the, the diameter of the moon and stuff is the same. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, there's all these astronomical observations that are made and that's that should be something apparent anytime you're breaking down esoteric numbers you want to make sure that these numbers actually are reflected in the bodies of masses around you right this is why you study geometry so much in a liberal arts education so you can see the um infinite manifest into the finite and that's how you see geometry right and geometry is going to be really important too because just like geometry has proportions and relationships within its own shapes, what we're going to see is time has the same kind of proportions and relationships and angles and correspondence as physical shapes do. Mm-hmm. So geometry and time, we're really going to kind of study in this unified fashion and through the process of understanding geometry is actually going to give us a better understanding of space. So to kind of kind of jump into it, this yuga system is every 5,040 years. Um, and there's could be multiple yugas in an age. So we're actually in the iron age that only contains one yuga. But as you make your way up, um, or as we kind of make our way more into the, the past, if we're kind of thinking of it in this linear mode, like we would explain it on a podcast, it would go from the Iron Age to the Bronze Age to the Silver Age, the Golden Age. Right. Um, and each age, as you kind of proceed up that, is going to be added another Yuga. So this first one has one, next one has two, next one has three. Golden Age has four. It's the longest age. Um, but in this process, we're going to kind of see this revolution of consciousness, and we're going to really start to see... Um, like the formulation and evolution and manifestation of time over these aspects. So when we're kind of talking about these yugas and we're talking about these times, it's these time periods within these ages Mm -hmm. as you kind of transition through. And so we're at the end of um, the whole setup, the whole 10 setup that we'll kind of kind of break into. Um, And that's why we're in such a stage of transition. And it's, again, this this stage of transition is going to go on for hundreds more years yeah um but either way it's um it gives us a better understanding of of kind of where we are but what we're really kind of what we're really trying to pull away from today is really kind of the geometry of time and this is what's really unique about this idea and this is what's so unique about the platonic solids This was such powerful information in Egypt, and it's still kind of what is so sacred in these Hindu religions, Yeah, is the relationship between geometry and time. And how you kind of perceive time in this way um, is not only the healthiest, but it's going to give us a much better understanding of almost the curvature of the universe. Mm -hmm. Okay, we see the curvature in the Fibonacci sequence. Right. Well, that Fibonacci sequence, what we're kind of looking at when we kind of see developed time is that's a great representation of how time expresses itself. And it's almost in this spiral spiral curvature um, expression mm-hmm. that we're going to see. Um, and so there's going to be this curvature of form and movement as well as a curvature of time and space. And we kind of, we kind of understand how this is how, you know, this is, the same way that we kind of can manifest an idea and actually push 
you know, a thought into a thought form, it's all within the same parameter. So we're really starting to see all this stuff kind of work together, this trinity um, of almost time, space, and matter. Yeah. Um, but the the Dravidian language and the Hindus aren't going to use the word matter. They're going to say time, space, and consciousness. Right. And when we use the word matter, matter is just really the the manifestation of consciousness. So it's it's like a step further. But it's it's very important that we even start to kind of understand that, how time, space, and matter or consciousness, consciousness almost need each other to have this full expression. And by understanding one, you kind of understand the other. It's the total balance. It's the total, it's the trivium. It's why everything's broken down into a trinity. It's the father and mother and the son. Um, Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, right? Yeah. In this In this kind of situation, beauty, love, and truth in the Pythagorean schools and the liberal arts education. So we're going to kind of just see this, this Trinity come up and we're, you know, again, when we deal with Genesis next week, right in the beginning, you know, God made the, the um, heavens and the earth in the beginning we have time, right? God made the heavens, which is space and earth, which is matter, which mm -hmm. is consciousness. So it's, Every creation story is going to kind of cover this this trinity right up front, but how we kind of misinterpreted it is we haven't seen the formative potenti potential and the potentiality of time on creation. We always see it as this passive thing when the uh, you know the Hindu mystics since the beginning of time really see it as like the time as the mind of God. Um, and I think that's a perfect way to look at it because just like a God, it's impossible to define really what time is when we really start thinking about it, right? Like there's that, and that Alan Watts beautiful lecture that you were talking about. I love how he starts it because he talks about how I think it's St. Augustine of Hippo was just like, time, time is a funny question. I know what it is until you ask so, me. Yeah. And I have mm -hmm. to explain it. And then it's just like, it slips your mind because that's exactly what time is. Um, you know, you, it's impossible to stop it. It's almost in, impossible to explain it in words. Um, and it can only be experienced in the moment, you know, and that's what's so kind of beautiful about it. So really kind of approaching time from this geometric lens and starting to see the relationships and the cycles um, and really start to make sense. Why did, you know, why did we spend all of our creative energy in the ancient past to make these megalithic structures to watch the, sc the skies? And it was because they were watching these cycles. They were watching this process. They're watching this revolution of consciousness as it's going from its period of remembering to forgetting to remembering mm -hmm. to forgetting. Um, but again, we always speak about esoteric information and we always say it's, it's more of a re-remembering and that's, you're part of that time cycle because when you're re-remembering information that was part of, probably a part of humanity in the past, that's exactly what you're doing. You're kind of re-downloading this information that's mm -hmm. already been discovered. Right. 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 And that's what I really like about it is, um, in, in terms of connecting this to, to the creation story is we have always been the creators. And it's an interesting thing that when you have this understanding of what may come to an end may also um, start a new beginning. Mm -hmm. And we are always in a, in a process or in a uh, fortunate place at times to be those creators. And that's why there should be no time to waste 
in order to create for what is now being destroyed as it's happening, as we consume our own selves or our own, or consume ourselves with consumerism and things keep to kind of, kind of start to sort of dissolve right before our eyes. It's, it's, it should be a pressing matter. And like, this is when you not only have the understanding of the downline you're talking about, but also putting it to work to be the new creators of the new cycle that is to be or what is to come. And I feel like that's where people need to sort of like act. You know, we talked about in the last season, the the generative principle. And it's like really holding on to that and really understanding how to like continue that creation story from our own perspective while these cycles are happening to us in the moment, you know what I mean? Right. So, Giving so that's birth to the new world. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's, that's just an, a very encouraging thing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I mean, what is the story of Christmas? It's the birth of the, the light of the world, right? The right. new, the new world is, has been reborn. And yeah, that's kind of the phase we find ourselves in. And it's that, you know, that again, it's why there's so many cultures, deep spiritual cultures have such a, reverence for death because they see death as this rebirth you know Mm -hmm. like the voodoo and the hoodoo religions such beautiful religions because they take death face on like fully there's no fear not like exoteric christianity where you really just don't bring it up and you're just like oh well you know what they paid their teeth so they tight so they they went to heaven you know and it's just like let's just bury this person and move on where they these ones really kind of cherish this idea of death because they know like, you know, the seed has to die for the plant to be born. And that's that stage that we're going to be kind of encountering. In. Um, and it does take bravery. It takes courage. Um, it takes detachment, right? Because being attached to anything at this time is, is going to be a, it's going to be like holding sand in your hand. It's going to be very hard. It's, it doesn't matter how hard you grip it. The harder you grip, it's just going to make more creases. That sand's going to actually fall out faster. Right. Um, and you're going to kind of panic with it. Um, and that's kind of the the phase that we're going to see ourselves in. And so, you know, as spiritual alchemist on this journey for the evolution of our soul, how are we going to navigate, you know, the coming and kind of the conclusion of this, you know, the Kali Yuga and this Mali Yuga, which is like the big 10, 10 cycle process that we um, are kind of witnessing the end of. Right. You know, and that's kind of why we're, we're taking a look at this, um, this whole thing and this, this whole idea of, you know, how do you um, not so much navigate it, but how do you put yourself in the best position? Cause you made, you made a great point. Like, you know, Life eats life, and that's going to be something that is we really have to get an understanding of. Because, like, even you know, even when we strive to be on a plant based diet, you're still life is still eating other life, right? You know, like, and so that is that great quote: the eater, the eater while eating is being eaten. Yes, right, and that's how we really kind of have to start to envisionize how this, what role we actually take on in this aspect. Um, and not see this destructive process as just the end of consciousness, right? Because there's life and death happening within your body at all times. You know, they talk about the seven-year cycle and the rites of passage when we were talking about that. You know, like after the first seven years, you start to lose your teeth, right? Then seven years after right. that, you go through puberty. And then seven years on that, you're you're pretty much on the onset of being fully adult. And it kind of just works through through all these patterns. Um, so you're always kind of going in this process of creating, partaking in creation and being destroyed. Um, so this is like an internal process that is a part of nature. And we're just going to, because of the time 
kind of this time frame we find ourselves in, we're just going to have to get a little bit more comfortable with this idea of this, this black mother, the mother of destruction kind of coming and taking part of everything that she's created um, and getting the peace with that and understanding how we can from that use that soil of that darkness to grow the future. Right. Right. Which is very, very important. Um, and it's very, you know, it's, it's what we do with this time. And this is why, again, this is why society and this is why, you know, culture is these, these um, social engineers have been able to do what they wanted to do is because they understand the cycle. They understood where we are in time, right. that they're like, hey, we can get away with some bullshit right now. And they're like, yeah, we can get away with some serious bullshit. And as we go down this cycle, and you can actually see every seven years, they can get away with more bullshit than they were able to the previous seven years. Right. Um, and we're going to kind of take a look at that as just a, of a zeitgeist snapshot of where we are. Um, so we know how to kind of return some of their bullshit. Yes. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, you know, so again, we're really going to be kind of looking at time as more comparable to like an electromagnetic force rather than this, this non-charged just container of experience. But we're actually going to take a look at more of like an electromagnetic force um, that Inside it carries the code of all of creation. So time is really going to be like the blossoming of this flower. So that materia prima that we spoke about so much in alchemy as this potential of anything, it's actually time. And so the alchemists, everything we learned about alchemy is coming back around and we're reconnecting with that. And we're really starting to see just the power of this almost etheric organizing field pattern that allows for this physical world to actually emerge. So this this field that we've kind of worked at as the potential that we kind of, as alchemists, looked to influence, it's actually this time. And if we really start thinking about it, you know, where can you actually make your creation happen? We actually have to make it happen in space. But then the, the question has, well, when does your creation happen? And that's mm. when time comes in. And that's why stuff happens in its own time. Right. And time is this ultimate teller of the experience and like what heals you time heals you what heals you god heals you what is time god what is god time that's why what's going to heal you from your scars time because god heals you but it's going to take time it's going to take this whole process um you know what makes the grand canyon time what makes the grand canyon god same thing. Right. Same thing. This is the mind of God that we're dealing with. Um, and that's why the most sacred people you know are the people that are present, right? Holy people are present. They're very in the moment because they know that in the moment is where you partake in the creator, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. So, you know, we're going to kind of get into the whole idea of, you know, even how we even like understand time because... It was almost explained through this literature as like taking a towel and twisting it on both ends, opposite directions. And that's kind of how you actually can kind of almost perceive time. I mean, again, we kind of have that spinning kind of motion with that. But the idea of, you know, one side's going backwards and one side's going forwards. And like, even when you think about like when you walk, if you're walking correctly, Think about how interesting it is because you're in all places at once when you walk because your back shoulder 
is in the past. It's behind you, right? Your front shoulder is in front of you. It's in the future. It's where you're going. And your heart is right in the present center. So when you walk, you're actually mimicking how the universe progresses in time. Because if you think about it as like a towel that you're going back and forth with, you know, one direction goes the other way and you're pulling back the other. So you're going forward with maybe that one backwards and you're kind of flipping it back and forth. Watch your shoulders as you cut through time and you cut through this fabric of reality. Your back shoulder is in the past your front shoulders in the future where you're going, and then your heart is right in the center. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're almost mimicking how God walks through time as when you walk through time. Right. And of course you do mimic the creator because you are creation. Exactly. Right? So, um, I mean, just kind of stuff to think about, just to be like, holy shit, I never even thought about like walking I'm literally mimicking, I'm doing this beautiful dance of actually how the universe progresses just by walking. Right. You know, and then like, again, this, the human form is just such the architecture of this time capsule. And you just think about it, how, like, what element, like what aspect of creation has a bigger effect on your vehicle other than time, you know, like. Matter is very important, of course, you know, and consciousness is very important, of course, but like when you see the progress and you can act, you actually can see time on your face. Mm-hmm. Like I can see time on my face. Like I look from the restaurants to now, like when I open the restaurants, before I opened the restaurants, I had much more useful features. After I opened the restaurants, I like time got to me because like so much time was dedicated and it was this like, it was almost that crocodile from Peter Pan, right? It right. was just like, took a little bite out of me and like i felt it in my face and i can see it so they're so distinguished though uh, my man i love you <laughs> <laughs> well it's interesting to put a pause on that that's a great example because there are people who um haven't earned the time and would like to know how they can look like say exactly like you they're like well if i had these features if i if i if i did these things would i be able to look like daniel and the answer will be no you gotta be homeless <laughs> you gotta well you gotta spend the time and and that's not something you can just do from a day to a night even if you tried you know it's like no you 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 can't like you're gonna have to like walk into those the the same steps that not only he did but with the idea of you know well like uh, dude i love what you're saying here because like think about when we worked at uh the that deli breakfast place we worked at when we were kids right right our first job together getting cash from a cowboy or a cowgirl feeling their hands oh my god that's a great so different yeah like you felt manlier after touching their hands whether it was a girl or you know because there was cowgirls there that were just as badass as the cowboys you Mm -hmm. know like the real ones that came in there was a lot of posers i'm sure but you could feel it in the hands of the real ones these were the ones that you're like wow like i can feel the early mornings, I can feel the late nights, I can feel the rope, I can feel the barbed wire, I can feel it all in just this exchange of taking the bills from your hand and putting the change in yours. And it's just like this hard leather that is just like, there's so much to be said in just the, the touching of it. Mm-hmm. But what was it? It was it was time and it was you know, obviously material and everything that else went into it. But you could feel the time as those hands did a lot in the amount of time that they've had. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and that was just like a fascinating, no, it's a a great fascinating example. kind of experience. That's exactly what I'm saying. And you and you want to, as a younger person, be like, well, what's it going to take? And you kind of try to rationalize it too. You're mm. like, oh, I guess 
I'm this old and they're that old and therefore, but even then you have no concept of like what it took for them to be, to get there because you have yet to experience even days that they've experienced that you might just go like, this is the worst, it's the hardest day of my life. And say, like, oh, now remember that guy you met a while ago, try to do that at a, at a, at a rate that has this many either years applied to it or so forth. That's what you were feeling when you were there. And you're like, oh man, that guy was quietly suffering. And it's like, well, I guess to you, maybe he was. So like, again, you can never gain what someone has acquired over their, uh, their time spent because your path isn't going to be the same as theirs. Right. You know? So, um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing. So, yeah, you know, and I think that's, I mean, one of the big things that we're really just kind of trying to pull out today too, is just the, you know, again, that formative aspect and really thinking about the Fibonacci, thinking about that golden spiral of all life, Mm -hmm. how that develops and it manifests out in the curvature of it. Yep. You know, and just, we, I know we see everything in black and white. We see everything in linear. We see everything in right angles and we see everything in this like perceived reality that we're in this, this construct for experience. But again, like everything is curvature. Everything is this, it's not this literally like, you know, right angle, straight line kind of situation, especially when it comes to time. But even when it really breaks down the matter and we get to this like form um, field kind of theory, we don't really see these straight lines that we kind of perceive stuff in. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the way we perceive, I love that you say this, how we perceive things, because the way we perceive, say, a straight line is that we perceive it until our vision is, can see an ending, right? But beyond that, you'd have to go chasing this line until, you know, you could spend your whole life trying to feel like, well, where's the, where's it end? And I feel that's the same thing to say about ratios. So like ratios kind of come from that, right? Like the ratio of like the Fibonacci sequence or like vibrations, like sound and music Mm -hmm. have that sort of like, you have this agreement with it where you're like, this is infinite in its own way. Like, so, so we don't try to find the end of the line, even though we do have things like music that obviously has a beginning and an ending based on like how we manipulated it by Mm -hmm. minutes and being like, Oh, this is as much as we're going to give you of this one pop song. But the vibration itself from where those notes come from, like that was something I found out to be very interesting. And, and that's where I'm speaking from is from what Daniel uh, was introducing me to with with Robert Lawler. It's like, Mm -hmm. that was, was very interesting. His lectures or not his lecture, but his lectures broken down to like what this might mean as far as like understanding ratios and like the math that goes into this is like just fascinating as far as understanding like what we thought we could perceive as time with like like a, a day and a night and then what numbers really kind of show you and not the mm-hmm. multiplicity of like the time and what it really means uh, is just kind of like, it's wild. Yeah, man. I mean, so many things. And that's the beautiful thing about this conversation about time, because it's going to get us through the conversation of time. We're going to talk a little bit about space. And then when we're talking about time and space, we're of course going to talk about music. Um, you know, and we talk about, I, you know, I'm, I know I'm stressing like where we are in time, but even just like, the measurement of time is fascinating and it's based off of the human body. You know, like to this day, the a healthy resting heartbeat is 60 beats a minute. Well, how did we get seconds? How did we start counting seconds? Seconds was the pulsation of the heart. The pulsation of the heart is f- pushed literally by the time. Like it's pushed by this energy behind consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. 60 seconds 
we can continue with a minute. So then we just took that 60 as a completion. You know, we get 60 beats in a minute. So then 60 kind of became this complete number. That's why in tennis, you play up to 60. Because in the medieval times, 60 was very much seen as a complete number. Like as numbers kind of expanded, we almost started to include 100 as more of a complete thing. Um, but back then, like they were dealing with numbers in a little bit less of a ratio. Um, so 60 was kind of seen as this completion number. And again, this is why you play tennis up to 60. And this is why like the zero score in tennis is love. Because if you're just playing it for the love of the game, right. you're not really trying to play it. You're just, you're actually winning. Um, but either way, like 60 was kind of seen as this completion number, but this came from the amount of beats of the heart in the minute. And then they just took that 60 and then they brought 60, 60 beats, a, you know, 60 beats a minute was 60 seconds so 60 beats a minute would be kind of come up to a minute and then you would take so how many beats would you get in 60 and then you just took that 60 by 60 again and you just kind of went up that route so like from seconds to minutes we're just talking about like the beats of the heart how many right. beats are in you know one completion of it which was 60 and then how many times could you complete that 60 within 60, which would have been the 60 minutes? And you just kind of like start going up this kind of this rabbit hole of even how we started measuring time, mm -hmm. you know, and the aspect of that and measurements of like a head and what a head consists of and how you almost like kind of replicate this every seven years. So like all this time. So I know like the focus kind of is going to go into like, you know, where we are in time and that's what we're really going to be looking at. But even of how we started to count time is a fascinating esoteric subject in itself. And we'll kind of get into, you know, why why the mile system and inches are actually used compared to the metric system. And actually, you know, everybody in the world like likes the metric system, which is great because it's a little bit easier to use, but there's actually this like deep aspect to miles and inches. Um, and we'll kind of get into that, um, like the esoteric significance of it. And all comes down to the numbers three, six, and nine. And so, as we're kind of looking at time, it's going to kind of even, you know, fruit out this understanding of numerology. And we're going to kind of be looking at words and numbers. And from now on, we really aren't going to take a look at a concept without looking at the numbers involved with that concept, because we're getting to a point where we can't separate them anymore, because numerology is going to kind of come such a huge part of all future conversations and also a great reflection on all past conversations because we really haven't really explored the numerology of a lot of the past conversations that we've had. So um, kind of going into the future as we kind of look at this formative aspect of time and this more of this, you know, expressive form of consciousness in the mind of God, we're also going to be looking at numbers and how numbers kind of break up not only this these number cycles and seeing these proportions in time like we see in space. Um, but also we're going to be looking at the numbers behind the words in the Bible and, you know, just breaking down the, 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 the numbers and how they kind of indicate where we are with everything. Mm -hmm. um, so I know that that was kind of a little bit of a ramble. Um, and if you followed that, that's crazy because I don't even know if I followed exactly what I just said. But really what we're kind of saying is, you know, there's there's going to be a depthness to this that we're just going to kind of keep unfolding. So, again, we're going to get a little bit more in depth than we've ever done in the podcast when it kind of comes to detail. 
but we can't really do that without like kind of laying out the framework framework of like where we want to go on the map. So right. it's not just coming out of nowhere on everybody. Yeah. Right. I don't think it is. I mean, I, like you said, we, we, we want to talk about creation. We want to talk about Genesis. We want to have a deeper understanding of an ancient book like the Bible that a lot of people, you know, have, you know, spend so much time either trying to decipher or trying to mimic a life of, you know, um, someone we deem our savior, but really, as you've said before, this is a story about us and to understand us, we should understand like the rules that actually do exist that actually can be quantified within the universe. And numerology is doing that for you. It's not one of those, well, we theorize that it's like, no, this is a unit of measurement that actually has an end result when you, um, divide or multiply it. And I think we do the same thing. I mean, what's always fascinating to me, a complete side note on, on numbers and time and how much time we have is in the medical field, I've met several practitioners that start to realize the miraculous thing that we called homeostasis, you know, the regulator of our body and all the chemicals that make us basically balanced. And when one number is off, what is done to compensate for the lack of one and what is augmented or, 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 or made into more to compensate for that is all these numbers and ratios. And eventually what a provider becomes or a practitioner in the Western world is oftentimes is finding out these numbers and finding out where is it off balance so we can bring balance back to something that normally is running autonomically, which is that's what fascinates them. They're like, we're just here to kind of like aid in the lack of or, or the too much of, and it still has to do with numbers. And that those numbers also have to do with time because how much time you have is how much you get to live on this planet with that imbalance or the, the, the unknowing of what, what's going on, um, in your body, uh, once it loses that balance. And so like, I feel like we will be able to create a lot of conversations based on like having this understanding of, of something that I think we've just not necessarily have ever taken for granted, but it's just something we're born into. And then we're always trying to basically fix it. We're always trying to borrow more time or spend more time or figure out how much time do I have? I mean, most of the moods that I ever get into, like if it's in a bad mood, like total dad, like I'm not a father, but I'm totally going to be a dad uh, that's obsessed with time it's like no i'm the one who's gonna let everyone sleep a little longer before the trip because i'm the one who's gonna tetris all of the luggage in order to save more time and therefore if i don't get that it affects the mood of the entire family because they're like why are you so grouchy and i'm like do you not even know how much time we just wasted and the mm -hmm. kid really doesn't he's just like but aren't we on our way to, to this vacation already and it's like yeah but had we done things this way mm -hmm. we'd be there a little sooner and essentially what one is saying is I just want to be where we all want to be quicker than we can than 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 we are now. And the only way I could have done that is if I like manipulated this thing we call time on my own um by my own like means and now we're all there together. But it's so interesting how like it, it, it changes our it, it it influences our world so much and what we want to take um from understanding time, I think is just to have more of it. And, uh, it's just so interesting. I don't know. I don't know if I'm making sense. You know no, I'm no, like, no, no, it does, man. And I love how you brought up the aspect too, because like, as we get older, we feel this more finite aspect of time. Mm -hmm. Right. And we talk about, we talked about Peter Pan with <clears> hook, <throat> you know, and that's what he was so worried about. And that's what that crocodile represented was that finite 
aspect of time and just how, you know, we are, the eaters are getting eaten at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, and it brings up, and it's, it's always a little tough because I never know if I bring this, all this information up. Sometimes it's just on a patron video and I don't know if I brought it up on the podcast, but I love the, even, you know, the relationship you have with time as a child compared to an adult, time feels slower and feels so much bigger than it is when you're younger because your ratio is different. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you have your first birthday and that's your understanding of one year and that's been your whole life, it feels like a long time, right? Even you're so, you're probably not really consciously aware of that. But say your second birthday comes around or your third birthday comes around and someone explains to you like, oh, this is, this is your third birthday. You've been around for three years. A year feels like a really long time. Right? Oh, yeah. You know, but as you keep progressing of that, your ratio and your level of your kind of your parameter of how long a year is shortens because every year the years get shorter in your understanding of what a year is, right? Because if now, if you're, if you went from having your life as three years to your life being 10 years, the, the weight of that year is lessening. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. as you progress in life, so like we're, you know, at 33 years of age now, a year means a lot less than it did when I was three years old, because that year was a third of my life. Now it's one thirty-third of my life. So time actually almost starts to feel like it starts to speed up on us. So we actually do kind of have this, this tendency of um, feeling like time is this finite thing that's slipping away. And that's kind of why we're so in this age influenced by consumerism and all this aspect of like physical holding on to physical life, right? And holding on to physical things because everything kind of feels like it's slipping away. So not only is that a process that we'll see as we reach adulthood, but that's also a byproduct of the Kali Yuga of the Iron Age that we're in. Right. Time is almost speeding up compared to time in the Golden Age where they felt like they had all this because they had four Yugas within it. Uh, So they had all this time in the world. So they didn't feel time as like a finite pressing thing that we feel at the end of this age because it is right right you know it's it's the dusk of this age it's not the dawn of this age it's this dusk so that's what we're kind of dealing with in that constraint and kind of feeling but just you know time has so many things so we're going to kind of always just break off on these conversations because there's just it's such an infinite subject but just kind of think about that not only just in the relationship of you know where we are in time as as all, but just think about every year that you progress, how time gets speeds up a little bit for you and your, your rate or your ratio or how you measure time shortens because it does shorten because your ratio of life compared to how much big of a ratio of life a year is to you shortens and mm-hmm, it gets less mm-hmm. and you kind of keep going through that pattern. Um, and it just kind of shows you know, where we are as a culture, um, if we, you know, just give into that idea that it's, it's a finite thing and we kind of fall into this fear that this time is finite, um, and kind of the destruction that comes from it. Yeah. Well, I, I just think like we've, we've found so many ways to define it by the days of the week. And then a week is a couple of weeks, couple of weeks turned mm-hmm. into, four and four is a month and the month is, you know, mm-hmm. two and so forth. And I think you start to constantly live your life 
by the knowledge that's been bestowed on you on the concept of time, which I'm not saying is not truth, but it isn't all truth. Mm-hmm. Because if we lived in a society where we still honored maybe all the reasons why we have a seven day of the week period, but it was less constrained by like, or it was less known in our minds. Like say someone just didn't teach you how to use a clock in itself. You're like, all right, I have sunrise and I have sunset. I can do things during the time that there is light out. And then there's times where I won't do anything because there's no light to illuminate the path of what I'm focusing on. So when you spend this time focused on whatever it might be based on, say something like the light of the sun versus the hours of the day, you kind of have a way of seeing life take on a little longer of a period. Because Mm -hmm. if you really just, just don't look at the, it's so hard now. Like even if you didn't look at a clock, you're already so conditioned to be like, well, it's probably somewhere around noon or Mm -hmm. three o'clock because the sun has shifted from here to here. And based on what I've seen already with um, the idea of like a 12 hour day or a 24 hour day, I should say rather, um, I know where we're at. And you're kind of already like bargaining with your day and you're like, well, maybe this is where I call it quits. And I just feel like when you're a kid, especially in summer because you're not part of like this sort of like uh indoctrination of like this is like the box that you need to fit in and this is when you're like summer break yeah yeah when you have a summer break that was the first time where i was just like i don't even know i I don't even know if today was the best day or if this this week was the best week right you're just like i think it's all just the best right now and it's just great you know what i mean and you're never really worried about you know, what was and what is coming, you're just present you're because being. you're, mm-hmm. you're being, you know? So I think, um, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. And you're like, isn't it just like so funny? Like, you know, being is just such a important aspect of consciousness and actually cherishing time. And like, there's can't be a coincidence. And I wasn't even thinking about this. This isn't like something I even thought about prior to this, but like, there's gotta be a coincidence with the word being with a bee like and how bees are just like this physical thing we need for the physical universe to mm. actually propagate right for, for you know for pollination right for so many things and like how you should just be like a bee it's right. just so interesting how a bee is being um and how like just by watching a bee can actually benefit your mental health and actually can beekeepers are the longest life expectancy in the world because of the vibration that the bees give off. And there's just this aspect, this model that's kind of there that I think we need to kind of pay attention to. Absolutely. With the geometry, with the purpose, the purpose they have, the, the, the mode that they're in, the flow that they're stayed, that they stay in that creates this like pattern. Uh uh, And it's a recognizable pattern that we can see for ourselves once, you know, a hive is made and so forth. It's like, yeah, you're right. There's something really spiritual, you know, and like how the bee, the bee and the fly aren't so different. Just the fly deals with shit and the bee doesn't. Right. The bee bee deals with flowers. You know what I mean? But it could kind of try to convince the fly that like, Hey, you're, you don't need to, you know, sit and shit. You can like hang out in these flowers but it's not so much the fly will listen, you know? So there's just so much aspects of like, we can see ourselves within that insect world of like, where do you fall? Are you hanging around shit or are you actually like contributing queen bee in it? You know what I mean? Which we probably all need to kind of make our way towards. But um, yeah, I mean, just time, time is just going to be such a fascinating 
endless discussion that we'll be able to have. And it's just going to be like the conversation when we tried to, you know, why isn't that you can't really define what God is? And I think time falls into that same aspect. You know, it's words can never give it true justice. We can kind of describe aspects of it, but the, the idea to encompass the whole understanding with one word is going to be pretty much impossible, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's why it's such a fascinating subject to this day. Um, whether you're spiritual or not, you know, nobody really likes wasting time, you know, whether you're spiritual or not losing your grandparents, you're, you'll think about like, Oh, I wish I would have spent more time with them or something. You know, there's, it doesn't matter if people are religious or not, time is taken seriously, right? It doesn't, you know, there's certain esoteric stuff we talk about that only really applies to somebody who's like spiritual or has like an interest in that kind of spiritual information, but time isn't something that's restricted to spiritual people. It's it's a huge component of every aspect of life. That's a great point. You know what I mean? I think maybe spiritual people look to cherish it a little bit more and are a little bit more grateful for it. Uh, but then again, there's some spiritual people who are so good at wasting time because they feel that, you know, they're so disconnected from the physical world that they don't feel like they need to do any progress in there, you know, mm. and that's that imbalance we kind of see with some of the, you know, new age understanding, you know, but um, for the most part, I think spiritual people take time serious because it is, it is a very serious subject and it's um, and our liberation has to happen at one point. Um, and so understanding where that is and what it is, is kind of that discussion of time that we had today. I right? can't wait. Yeah. No, it's a great way to start this off and then jump into numerology and start slow by really introducing like the, this, this something that, that, that you and I've talked about before even the season started. It's like, well, how do we really introduce these complex and very deep, um, not just esoteric, um, you know, writings or, or interpretations of, of what we are, are living in right now and breathing in as, as beings of the planet, but also like what the surrounding universe is doing, um, always with these numbers and with this, like, um, this understanding of, of this geometric pattern that, uh, we so often see when we even do like, um, How's hallucinogens, you know, it's just an interesting thing that no one's ever discomforted by the fact that when you are on any kind of, if you have ever partaken in any sort of uh, ritual um, with either mushrooms or anything else, you'll find this pattern that you're like, oh, this pattern's always here and it will be always here even mm-hmm. before me. I just wasn't aware of it. Right. And, uh, and even if you're not on any hallucinogenics, you can start like having this understanding of like what, where this all really came from, from Pythagoras to like the mathematics that we've been taught. And I like that you bring up ge- geometry has been, uh, something that's been in our lives since, you know, we were very young, but you know, with, not a true understanding of why it has an importance, you know? Oh my gosh. Right. Like how much of a struggle was it to learn proofs and like geometry was just such, it was like pulling teeth to get me to understand geometry growing up. And like, gosh, if I would have been actually exposed to why I need to learn geometry and how amazing that subject is, that would have been my favorite subject. But Mm -hmm. we have, we've done such a good job of taking the passion and taking love, which is God, out of subjects, you know, same thing with math. Like math is 
the most beautiful, exact subject, closest thing we could probably get to truth outside of true, true philosophy and true religion. Um, and it's just so deadened and absent of life and absent of reason at this point. Um, the beauty has been taken out of math. You know, truth has been taken out of math. So much has been left off. Um, you know, and it's just uh, it's just so sad with this not only like this neuroscience that we kind of kind of teach today, um, you know, the lack of math, the lack of even studying, you know, like history and the lack of the appreciation of time and how history is becoming an elective in schools. And it's not like, you know, it's not like a dedication anymore. It's not something that you have to take almost in certain classes. That's how I feel about music. Oh, it's insane. Like it's so sad that it's not a requirement. Music is not and like and again, I wasn't I wasn't even instructed on how powerful music was and how like music is going to help me in my mental health. Music's gonna help me in my physical world. Like music could literally teach me everything you need to know if you learn musical skill, you can kind of piece together so many different aspects. That wasn't even presented to us. Mm-mm. You know? You was the only reason you were taught to learn music is you're going to be better at whatever musical instrument compared to like learning the tabs on the guitar. But even then they couldn't really motivate you much. Cause you're like, Oh, I'll just look up the tabs for this guitar song. Like it was, there was not a huge push to learn music. And I wish I did. Cause um, it's like the most fascinating thing in the world now going back, but the same thing with everything, you know? So it's just like, it's so funny being part of education and just like hearing them just like all talk about like, oh, we're going to bring in this program or there's this online resource that we should use. And I think the kids are really going to like it. And they're like, kids aren't going to think a shit about this because there's no love in it. There's no truth in it. There's no connection to anything higher. There's no purpose in what you're teaching. So the kids aren't going to find purpose. And they're like, yeah, but look at this bell and whistle. And you're like, the bell and whistle has no comparison to the app bell and whistle that's in their pocket on their phone. That's the app of the week that ever people are farting. Right. Right. Um, And it's just like, you're never going to catch up to that. The only thing you're going to do is be able to teach purpose and truth. Um, But it's not something we really No, It's not in the school budget right now. Yeah. (sighs) So crazy. So crazy, man. So crazy. But um, all love, all good. Anything else you want to add to that? Man, I... in this time that we have um man i um just i know we kind of these last two episodes to get started have really kind of been i would say like blanket episodes and we're really kind of just covering the ground of where we want to go but we're just so excited to be on this journey and to kind of go on these trails with you guys and see what we uncover so um i mean always a big shout out to our patron ninjas hey right Patreon members, I want you to know because of you, I get to have my computer. Back. Yeah, no, that's amazing. That's amazing. You guys are, that's, yeah, we're just so, we're so grateful for that support um, and the stuff you share, all the information. And again, I apologize if we, um, there's been some delay in our responses. It kind of come, ebbs and flows, um, but we really do. It means the world when you guys reach out to us. And so thank you so much for everything you share. And all the resources that you guys pass on to is just just unreal. So big thank you to the patron, all the listeners. All the listeners. If you're new, welcome. If you've been around, thank you so much for sticking around. Because, I mean, yeah, again, you're constantly opening my eyes. I don't know if I can speak for you. For me, I look at 
a lot of the messages and resources that are sent over, even audio messages and the comments on even images that have been posted. And it's just never ending. It's not like there's ever like this moment where I look at it and I'm like, okay, well, that's your perspective. It's always like, oh, I've never even thought yeah. of that. And for the rest of the day, I'm just like, oh, you, Julie, in Chicago just really just kind of yeah. <laughs> threw me for a, a loop for the next like three three days. And so uh, so that's that's huge. I, I find that as a very important form of cur- currency because um, we wouldn't be here without you. And we hope that we can continue to aid one another every episode that we put out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, uh, you know, onward, we're going to kind of just keep going, but so many exciting things to kind of, kind of dig into in the next couple of coming weeks. Absolutely, man. Now is the time. Now is the time. Yeah. Um, cool, man. Well, uh, I have nothing else to add. So until next time. Until next time, which is my favorite Pink Floyd song as well, which is time. Time is a great song by Pinkfoot. And I love that you say that because I was like, how would I find a way to just like put put that in there? Yeah. Uh, at the end of the episode, but you mentioned I just it is jumped enough. in awkwardly. I'm just like, hey, no, no, I know my go, Pink Floyd go favorite song. No, it's not. Go listen to it if you if you uh if you have um the ability to to listen to Pink Floyd time because it is a great, great, great way of putting it all into one song. Right. So. All is love. All is love. But like you were saying. Until next time. Until next time. All right. <laughs>